0: Hello everyone, I'm Vinam, and this is the Nixers Podcast. On today's episode we're discussing Unix Forensic. Your Unix box has been pounded, it has been attacked, it has been hacked, it has been owned. What do you do in this case? But we're gonna more focus on the term Forensic. Forensic usually means... Uh, you have a crime scene and then you come after the crime and try to figure out uh, what has really happened. Uh, Was it really a murder case? But in the case of Unix Forensic you want to know what happened to your box. Have you really been hacked or not? Have you been pounded? So you need to figure out if something really happened without showing the attacker that you've noticed. that something really weird has happened. And you won't, don't want to alarm him or cause harm to the system. You don't want to destroy evidence. You don't want to wipe out the disk. Uh, you don't want to take down the machine offline sometime. So uh, in this case you don't know if, if the attacker is still on your machine or not. You don't know anything. Sometimes you know because it's your machine, sometimes you don't know. So that's why the first step to, to do forensic is to discuss with the users of that box the people who know what I, the, what are the weird stuffs that happened on that box if there's a persistent threat if, if, uh, if, uh, if there's something wrong you need to know so you need to discuss so we're going dis- you're gonna go through this the, the UNix forensic and multiple steps. First we're going to discuss what it means to to talk with the users, what to take in consideration. Then we're going to discuss using good binaries after that how to minimize disturbance to the system, collect data, information gathering, what kind of data we need to take, from where, if too much is not enough or if not enough, it's not enough. Automating the the scripting to to access information, information gathering, automation. And uh, the next step to take if there is really a breach, how to keep the attacker out of your system, how to kick him, and how to recover and stand on your feet again. So first of all, to discuss with the users. You wanna know, you wanna take note on what's happening and what happened. Otherwise, you get lost in the amount of information. You can't really, like, if it's a system that is not owned by you and you have to do a forensic on it, you have really no idea what's running on that machine and you don't want to go in without knowing anything. You will get lost in the amount of information. So you need to make sense of the situation because every case is different. You might have a machine running as a media server and uh, it can't be put offline. So the, the machines are customized. They have different services running on them, different operating system, different binaries, different architectures, etc. So then, depending on those services, you need to know what's the weird stuff that happened. Why? Why do you think you got attacked? Why do you think you got uh, hacked? What's the suspicion about in the first place? So you need to talk with the persons that noticed those things. It could be you, it could be another system. So uh, if it's yourself, then it's fine. But if it's someone else, you have to go and interview them. Uh, there's certainly someone that knows the situation better, someone that expert in the system, someone who's running the machine daily. There, There's a context to everything. Everything has a context. And in the best case scenario, it might be, even be a false alarm. It might be a, po- a false positive and there's no need to dig in the issue. But still, you, you have to do your forensic. You have to analyze to, 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 to keep asking because you, obviously you wouldn't sus- su- suspect anything in the first place. In all cases, it's going to make you win a lot of time to, to interview people, to ask what's happening really instead of having to learn about the system by yourself. So, what, what are you suspecting? Why do you think an incident happened? What is there to know about the system? What are the services running? What are, what are the programs? After getting enough information, you, you can really start to touch the machine. Before that, you cannot. You really cannot, because you might do some harm to the system. First thing you want to do is run a set of good binaries. You don't want to run possibly Trojan binaries. What do I mean by that? I mean that if someone has access to the system, he could replace, in theory, he could replace all the binaries. The shell, the cat, anything. Anything that runs on the system, it could be replaced. So what you want to do is you, you take something we refer to as a USB response drive. It's a USB with which has a set of good binaries you know that they are good binaries because you put them there you want to put the set of the minimum uh, slash bin S bin, some libraries and uh, for the same architecture uh, as the system so that's again that's why it's important to, to do the the interview before to know the the, the architecture so that's why you wanna know 64-bit, 32-bit, if it's running FreeBSD, if it's running Linux, if it's running something else, then you wanna compile those binaries for the system so you can use them in a safe manner. So you can have some extra tools, not just the minimum. So yeah, your, your kind of tool set that could help you through the forensic analysis. So you can take some, anything that, that can help you. So, um, also, the, the USB should have a file system that is supported by the operating system. So you won't go on, on FreeBSD and uh, boot up an X2 file system, for example. You, you you will put something else. Yeah. So once you have the the, the USB, uh, you have a set of good binaries. But you could also do it in another way. If you can take the system offline, by that I mean just. Uh, turning it off and on again, so you could also go for bootable bootable Unix operating system or any operating system that you can boot from the USB and access the host operating system. And that's only if you can afford to restart the system, so you can use a live CD, live USB or any good options for that. There are some uh, recover desk, forensic uh, USB I think. I didn't check for that, but uh, there are certainly some uh, live operating system available that are good for forensic. You can even boot, bat- boot uh, Kali Linux and help you analyze the system. But it's only a v- valid uh, if it's not a, a really live system that you can't take offline. Actually, it's even a better idea because you, you don't want that system to stay online if an attacker is on it. And maybe uh, if you go in and the attacker is still on, you will have to fight with him and then he he could kick you out, actually, if he has enough power, root, access, probably, and erase everything. Uh, he goes on a rampage, I don't know. And to top that off, he could even, I don't know, uh, gain access to your credential and start to, to ruin a company or, or your personal rep- reputation. But sometimes uh, yeah, you can't afford to remove a live system if it's in uh, production and it's live and people are re- relying on it. So for the live system you could use light as or busy uh, or anything. Uh, for the set of binaries uh, you could go with busybox. If you know it it's a very lightweight set of binaries so you call them You don't call them directly with the name of the binary you call them with busybox and busybox contains the set of tools okay so overall you want to avoid at all costs to run binaries that are possibly infected on the system because you never know what could have happened if you run them you want to take precautions so we can even mount the file system and You want to mount the the file system in read-only mode to avoid losing evidence. Uh, And that's also to avoid harm. So that would minimize changes and disturbances to the system, minimize footprints. So you don't want to write onto that system and mess things up. That basically comes down to changing the environment variables to point to the binaries and libraries on your USB. So, if you call, for example, cat, or, or you call bash, or you call zsh, or whatever the shell you prefer, and you have it on your you, on your, USB, you, your USB, you don't want to just run uh, from the shell directly on the live system. You want to, to export the path to your USB path so nothing from the live system gets executed so you want to export the path and ld library path to your usb you don't want to be running their version of the shell either you want to run your own binary your own shell and only them uh nota bene on that run all script with the shell mentioned before it like sh the script but the Oh, obviously, with the path of your USB, you want to run your own shell running the script. You you never want to use the shebang, because you never know what what's the behavior that it's gonna be. It might point out the possibly infected binaries and run the, the script as an infected uh, uh, script. So we talked about minimizing the impact. Another approach is to not write anything on the system you write the things on your usb and you send it uh, you, or you write them on the usb or you send the, them back over the network for later analysis so you want to minimize writing to the system uh, if you mount it then read only so you, you can't really you you can't write to it actually so you you're forced to do that or you write to you to your usb or you write over the network. So for sending over the network you could go for complex solution, HTTP servers, FTP servers, or you can simply use a netcat listeners which is really simple because you can transport the netcat binary with you. Uh, it comes with BusyBox. So you create a log files to get some information on the on the machine and you send it uh, over the network using netcat, so it goes through netcat. So uh, it's never written on the system; it's it's live in memory. What you want to do is open a netcat listener on the machine you want to analyze, and you create a client on the infected machine, and then uh, you use netcat l to create the listener on a port. And then you you redirect it to 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 a file and that's that's on the the host on the the machine you want to ala- analyze the things on. And then you want how to send the file? You you use netcat, uh, the the host and the port, and you pipe the log file. So when you're done, you've you've transferred the file with netcat. You stop the listener. You don't want to leave traces that it that it ran. So, yeah. But what kind of logs do you want to transfer? What do you collect? What data do you want to collect and why? Uh, so, you're doing forensic. You want the traces. You want to know what happened and if anything happened at all. So, first thing you want to do is get the date. Uh, why the date? Because there could be a, a clock's queue on the system. Uh The the time is kept accurate with the NTP, Network Time Protocol. Someone could be messing with it. Maybe there's a different time zone, so the time of the logs might differ. So when you're analyzing the logs later on, uh, you really really wanna know if the time on the server is the, the same, otherwise you might get confused. So you just run the date comment. Then you want to run the kernel version, the operating system version, so you can list maybe the known vulnerabilities for the for that operating system. So you run uname, uh, and you can go with uname with the, any flags that you're interested in. Other things you want to collect: what network connections are happening, and the interfaces. So what is it like? Are there new devices connected? Someone plugged the USB. Like if it's a, if it's a, a real server that you have in, in, in a room, not a virtual one on the cloud. You want to know if someone came in and plugged the USB, a rogue device. Uh, are there new network connections happening to unknown servers from? unknown binaries, like a binary named communication. You've never seen it before. Are there any suspicious addresses, strange localhost connections or weird parts? Are there uh, ports that weren't open before and now they're opened? Are there any program running on the wrong ports? Is an HTTP server running on let's say port 6612? No, know. To do that, you 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 can run the ifconfig command, the netstat. Also, you can use a um, a bunch of flags with them. Uh, netstat -tulpn to list the open open uh, ports. Netstat -a and ifconfig -a to list all the interfaces. Uh, even more things to collect. Uh, what files are open at the moment? Are there things reading from places they shouldn't be reading? But you know, uh, files on Unix are everything. So the, the, the output is going to be extremely long. But uh, it's, it's fair, it's worth it to, to log that thing. So you can use LSOF, list open files. Also, again, with uh, the flags you need. You know, what processes what processes are currently running? Are there things that are running as root and that shouldn't be running as root? Are they running at, as a group ID or ID zero, which is the equivalent of root, but you might not notice it because it shows another name for the users. Or there are no account logged in and things are still running and they shouldn't be running. So someone is running a background script that is uh, forked twice outside of the shell so it, kept, it keeps running as a daemon. Uh, or there are accounts logged in that shouldn't be logged in. And for that you go with a PS, the PS command. Routing information. What routers are you connected to? Are there new gateways, new, new interface? you do that with netstat, with the route command, and if, there's something to to notice here, if you run two commands and they have different outputs like netstat, rn, and route, and they have different outputs, it means someone might have tampered the binaries, and that's an indicator that you've been uh, uh, the victim of an attack. So we talked about USB if it's a server, maybe someone has connected the RUG USB. Check if it's mounted using DF and mount. So you can check the, the file system that are currently mounted. And also, again, if the output differs, then uh, you've been pounded. Is the file system filling up? That's another question you have to ask yourself. And is it filling filling up in a temporary file system? That might be an indicator that some thing weird is happening or that you're not uh, log-rotating one or the other. Uh, Are there overuse of the file system or overuse of resources for that matter? Now we talked about USB again there might be some uh, UDEV rules the added UDEV rules that can initiate when uh, you plug in a USB an automatic, automating script, so someone is running a worm on your machine, on your box actually, he's running a worm, so it spreads out. That's actually very dangerous. Maybe the attacker has loaded a new kernel module, new device, new driver, or modules that changed. You can check, check all the loaded module with lsmod. Now, uh, some of the most important part here. And I think that's the most important part. You want to check the users. Because if your users were, were really secure in the first place, maybe the attack happened from another side, and someone created the new user. Who's logged in now? Are there system accounts that shouldn't even be able, be able to log in and they're logged in now? You, you can run the W command or the WHO command. And w-comment is like the who, but it gives the, the last comment the user has run. So you can even check if the, the, the currently logged in user is running something specific, and if it's something you don't know about. And who has been logging in to the system in the last days, or who has failed logging in to the system in the last few days. And you can check it with the last comment and the last p, for the failed login, and if you see like a 20 wrong login and then a successful login, then someone has cracked your account, and someone has a weak password. Well, uh, let's check if there's anything changed to their groups or their shell, their login information. Are there any newly created login? users any account that have the id zero they have root permission and they shouldn't be having root permission if there's an account called nobody and it has id zero then uh well that's a big indicator right there did someone add a shell to something that shouldn't even be able to log in like uh, you have a male user and it suddenly has a shell and the files related to this, uh, you want to check the etc password and ETC, etc shadow. They list the users, the group ID, the, the ID, the shell. So you, you can know if something weird is happening there with the users. Uh, now, it should be obvious that you should check the logs. It might not be even relevant to check them, but you might want to check them. They might be altered because if it's an uh, advanced persistent threat, someone with experience attacking your machine, he will delete the logs. But you still want to, to get the logs, the var logs, usually that's the, you, the location. You want to check also the last comments run for all the users, so you get all the hist files. Uh, you might have also put yourself in a bad position because if you have run commands on the shell, and the password was on the command line, they were stored in the hist file. And then you want to know if the attacker has somehow access to those. Uh, anyway, if if you have a password on those files, you should change them. So that's a good idea to fetch those files. You shouldn't even use passwords in the first place. You should use key-based authentication and talking about key based Uh, Are there new SSH keys in the authorized key file? So if someone, if an attacker just answered his key he will be able to log into your system without passwords which is frightening Okay, so that's about uh, getting stuff and you send all those uh, information through netcat or you store it on a USB and then once you have all this you can really know what happened. Now more about live analysis uh, which is more advanced. You could in principle analyze the memory if you don't have enough information with the above but I think it should be enough. You can dump the memory and then analyze it offline and there are tools for that such as LIME L I M E but it's specific to Linux. It's a Linux memory extractor. You could even make an image from a physical hard drive. Um, So you copy the hard drive and then you analyze it offline so you don't do damage to the live system. Now, you've been hacked, right? You might have been hacked. You realize you've been hacked. What do you do? Uh, You could take that machine offline Probably yes, that's a good idea. And you need to review what has been infected. You need to repair that system. And no one has a better position than the people who are experts in the system. And if you're just doing forensic and you're not expert in the system, you, you can just point out from the information above I mentioned what has gone wrong with the system and what possibly happened. Maybe you won't be able to clean up the system, you will have to recreate the thing. And maybe you won't even know what was the attack uh, vector that led to the, that, that breach. So using all the data gathered through the analysis, you, you can narrow down what needs to be taken care of so that an attack doesn't repeat itself, but you're never sure. Sometimes it's not enough. You cannot know. Sometimes uh, you you cannot know what's the leak, what what the door to your system was. Uh, in this case, just uh, just review everything. If you're running the latest version, uh, could be anything. The open ports. I mean, you've just you've just listed the open ports, so you can know. Maybe it's an exploit to specific softwares you were running and that's what that's why the we mentioned checking the running processes more or less everything i i mentioned should be enough to know how to patch the system last but not least keep in mind that you have to run everything patched and you don't have you have to run things in a minimal way don't run too many things on a single box and you'll be safe. And don't allow password, yeah. I guess that's it folks for forensic. You would have a, an idea of checking, of more or less what's the, the, and the security, how you approach a box that ha- has been hacked. Now about last week, last week we reviewed logs. Logs, it was quite an interesting subject. Uh, I didn't know about logs before, so, uh, I had it on my to-do list for some time to review how the logging system works on Unix. And I had no idea that syslog was just uh, a standard and that it wasn't really uh, a software in itself. I thought it was the name of a software. Yeah, but uh, I advise looking at that if you, you don't know about logs yet. And now this week, what did I do? It was the last week of June. So uh, we introduced the webcast thread where we record our desktop and we explain what we're doing, how how we came up with our current workflow, uh, what we like about it, the softwares we run. Yeah, I did that and uh, I started the new ASCII art as usual. And yeah, I'm waiting. Uh, we had the reviews on the June project. So. Uh, I guess they were good, Uh, they were pretty fun, Um, but uh, we had a low turnout, a low participation turnout. But that's okay, because we had quality participation, which is better than... uh, um, It's quality over quantity. Yeah, that's it. That's Nixers.net. Yeah, thank you for listening. Have a nice week, everyone. And if you want to join the podcast, don't be shy to ask about your key. Uh, And you can log in to podcast.nixers.net. And if you want to get more info about the next week podcast, about the current week podcast, you go to podcast.nixers.net slash what? W-H-A-T. Thanks a lot for listening, and I hope you will keep your box safe. Cheers, everyone.